Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. Welcome to the Forever Forest podcast. It is a case of next man up tonight. Freebs can't be with us. So it's me, Kieran, on hosting duty. And we're going to keep this a fairly tight podcast because it's Tuesday evening and there's a rather big game down the bottom end of the Premier League that I'm sure we are all keen uh, to keep a a watchful eye on. So uh, before I uh, move into some of the topics and we have a look at Liverpool away, uh, who's joining me tonight? First up, was at the game. It is Lisa Fox. How are you, Lisa? I'm I'm tired, but I'm good. <laughs> it's, just, it's, been, it's been a long week already. It's only Tuesday, and I'm on the wine. That is says a lot. <laughs> is it a forest-related tired and wine, or is it just an everything work-related tired and wine? Forest, forest was actually a much-needed respite on Saturday. I really enjoyed it. We'll we'll get to the game because I've got some views from afar. But uh, also joining us from London, that there, London. It's Holly Royal. How are you doing, Holly? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, feeling quite buoyed by the uh, the women's victory on Sunday and um, the lads' performance on Saturday, which was quite promising, wasn't it? So, yeah, and feeling good, feeling good. Yeah, not a perfect weekend, but some uh, <laughs> <laughs> shining lights. <laughs> awesome. Right, well, look, let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush. Let's dive right into uh, the weekend that was. Liverpool away. That is not a fixture we've had the joy of for quite a long time. It's probably one of the first ones that most away members had a circle around when the fixture list came out. Uh, what was the buzz like? Did it live up to the hype? I think it did. I think it was, uh, I think bef- beforehand, everybody was literally, it's either going to be, we're, we're just going to get battered. And and as we were walking through um, Stanley Park, there were Forest fans singing that everywhere, everywhere we go, Forest get battered everywhere we go. Um, and I think the expectation was probably if we performed like we had done against United, um, then we would get battered. And for me, the fact that it was nil-nil at half time was really positive. Um, without us actually doing a lot, I think Liverpool had a lot of the ball. Um, they passed it around really, really well, but they didn't trouble us too much. Um, second half starts and same old story, you know, literally people still trying to get back in their seats and we're a goal down. Um, at that point, you kind of grit your teeth because you think, oh, here we go again. And we didn't. We reacted. We um, got ourselves straight back in it. Um, you know, I thought Nico was fantastic on Saturday. He has had some pelters as the season has gone on and he's been in and out of the team. But honestly, it was his best performance for us. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'm great. I was so, so pleased to actually see him get on the score sheet. Um, didn't hold the lead for very long. The away end was mental at that point. You know, every, everyone was cheering. Um, they went back in front. We then equalised again. How shit must you be? We've scored two goals away from home. We've literally, you know, almost doubled our quota for the season in 10 minutes. Um, And yeah, it was just really, we were just unlucky. You know, don't get me wrong. We had our own, we had our chances. If Teo's audacious overhead kick had come to fruition, 
seriously that guy is just coming back from injury we know how long it took him to actually hit the ground running in the first place for him to even try that was ridiculous um but I I just loved that the fact that that shows he's got confidence that shows he's actually up for the fight and that's the other thing that our players showed a hundred percent on Saturday that that they are up for the fight um and ultimately for me having lost the game I actually came away a lot more positive than I expected to be well we do love to hear that uh because we definitely needed some positive vibes especially after an away game that makes a really nice change so Lisa was there I was sat in Manchester City Centre having a few drinks and watching on my phone again on definitely legal means um Holly how did you take this one in yeah, unfortunately, I was completely an illegal means as well, Kieran. So I was watching it on a <clears throat> dodgy stream. Um, fortunately, couldn't be there. But, but do you know what? I feel so sorry for you guys that were there because, I mean, how amazing would it have seemed for us to even got a point? You know, Ellen, we could have gone on and won the game. But um, it was just really promising to see that heads didn't go down after the goal, um, that we fought back um, and that we can, you know put some passes together and we can fight and we can do something away from home. I mean, we had glimmers of it, didn't we, at Villa? I thought we played really, really well at Villa. And, um, you know, we've taken it into this this Liverpool game. And, yeah, I mean, really, really promising. Um, just some bad defensive frailties again, isn't it, that's let us down. And I think some of the fundamentals that we've had all season that we really need to look at and we haven't quite tweaked just to kind of to get, get us over the line. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's really promising, isn't it, for for um, for Wednesday? It needed to be promising for Wednesday. Surely that's a must win now, isn't it? After that, it has to. Oh, be. I mean, every game's a must say win. It. It's, it's got to be. It. I'm saying it now. I've said. <laughs> I mean, Everton was a must win. Wolves was a uh, Wolves was a must mm. win. But um, it is absolutely do or die now, isn't it? Surely. Um, yeah, we've got to think... get three points from somewhere, and if not at home, then when you know. Yeah, still one of those for me that another prediction of 1-0 to the forest and I'll just be sat there hoping and praying that it comes off. Uh, speaking of things that we were hoping and praying for ahead of the Liverpool game, obviously anniversary of Hillsborough and there was a, a, a nice touch with the banner that we knew was going to be there. I think there was maybe some slight nerves that the respectful nature might be short-lived. What was it actually like in, in the ground? Uh, Lisa, did our did our fans all behave themselves? From from where I was, I mean, I was literally behind the goal, just to the slightly to the right of it. Um, so I did I couldn't see the banner from where we were stood, but that was unfurled, and the clapping started on six minutes, and it was observed impeccably, as far as I can tell. Um, there was no um, chanting per se with regard to tra- tragedy chanting uh can't get my words out um there was a few sign on chants um but that isn't for me the same um and I did get to, to go and take in the memorial at the end of the the game um which obviously you know having been there in the in the first instance it was actually really poignant to go and see um and there were a lot of forest tributes as well as Liverpool tributes and um it was just a moment of reflection that what happened happened. And it is nice to see that there is a tribute that 
can be observed and that Forest fans do respect what happened. They were there. They ultimately um, were a part of that tra tragedy and shouldn't be forgotten. I did notice, actually, Lisa, that you put on, um, I think it was on Twitter, where I think it was your 14-year-old self, you'd written down your thoughts and feelings of that day. Um, I mean, do you read through that? Are you able to read through that and kind of, or is it still too sort of emotional to kind of, because I think it's really it's really great that you actually did that as well, to have that, because a lot of people, they're just relying on the memories of the dark memories in their head, but to actually write it down and have it on paper is like a diary entry to kind of refer to, I mean... It's it's interesting because I I, I mean it, how, how it was bizarre that I found it when I when I found it obviously having just moved house um, and I was sorting through some paperwork and I just, and I found my interpretation of Hillsborough um, and I I don't actually think I wrote it for three years after um, so it was with regard to my, my you know my fourteen year old self on the day it it I can remember it like yesterday it's ridiculous just how things kind of transpire and I, I do remember speaking to my granddad god bless his soul after the, the the tragedy and after the day and he said you know as a as an adult to a to a teenager that you compartmentalize things that you you have these memories and you put them in a box and they come out every so often and obviously for me they come out every year um and I, and there have been years where I've been out with the kids um and we've been at the, there was an open forest had an open day um and at three uh, six minutes past three we, we actually all stood on Trent Bridge and observed that minute's silence um so that it's it is important that people do remember um and it was I just thought it was kind of ironic at the weekend that I had found that paperwork and I actually wrote my university dissertation around the the Hillsborough disaster and and did a, I, I was you know I did English and media studies so a lot of my uni work was with regard to what had happened in 1989 so it is quite you know it's something that will never be forgotten mm. um and nor should it be because it changed football it changed football for everybody that day it, it, it's so I was born the year after so thanks for making me feel old <laughs> <laughs> We managed five shots on target compared to Liverpool's six. Uh, we only had 19% of the ball in which to do that. Um, uh, we did commit a lot of fouls, 12 fouls throughout that game, but you expect that when you're going away uh, to, to one of the big ones. Uh, big, big change in tactics and formation. No, not the perfect result, but signs of life. Did, uh, did Cooper... Get that right. A very brave decision to to drop Brennan and play with the formation a little bit. Um, I'm going to go to Holly first. From afar, you see that team sheet come out. What's she thinking? I think it's a brave move. I mean, I'll let Lisa lead on this because she was actually there and can see it, you know, in front of her. But from what I could tell, you know, it, it gave us a few more options. I think one thing I noticed against Man United was the fact that Whenever we won the ball back, even if like, you know, six yards into our own half, it would be look up, where's Brennan, lob it to Brennan every single time. And it's so frustrating because, you know, he's not a tall lad and it it just looked really, really desperate. And I think what's really important now is that, you know, we can try some different options. And I thought Taiwo had a fantastic game, I had a really, really good game, really promising. Um, 
And it also makes Brennan that little bit more hungry, doesn't it, for Wednesday night, I think, um, especially at home. Um, from what I could see, yeah, it worked, didn't it? It was something different. Cooper had the balls to drop in, which is a huge, huge move. And yeah, I mean, there's big questions now, isn't there? Away from home, do we start without Brennan? Um, I, personally, I would definitely start him on Wednesday night. Um, but, you know, it gives us other options, doesn't it? It gives a bit more dynamic and um, it's it's something to kind of work on, I think. But Lisa, I mean, what did you think um, being actually at the game? Yeah, it, I mean, it was a bold move. Don't get me wrong. It was, it it was. But we, we'd seen the week before against Man U that we were overrunning midfield and we needed that extra body in there. And um, I think Mangala did really, really well. Um, so would, would I change it on Wednesday? I don't actually know that I would. Um, because everyone did do really well. We we even saw some, you know, I mean, Morgan Gibbs-White, for me, he is our um, flair player. He is our free hit, if you like, in terms of, you know, the, the one player that everybody aspires to, to be like when you're seven or eight. Um, and he had a really good game as well. You know, he was back in the room, which he's been he's been kind of non-existent as well. And it's it's really hard to... Because I, I, you 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 kind of say you know he he's our luxury player, so you don't want to drop him. Um, and Brennan is that sort of, is the player that you just need one chance, and he just needs that one bit of space. And that was the only thing for me that there were times where we had got like because of Allison sitting, he comes out of his area, and we had so many times where we could if we had that that Brennan on the, the that Brennan on the pitch. Just getting that ball over to him would invite us into that pocket of space and it would have created a little bit more of a problem. But as to who I would drop, that's really hard. Well, it's actually not. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to drop it? Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> who? Who? Names? Yeah. You want names, Lisa? Yeah. Royler. Oh, yes, I agree completely. Please yeah. tell me what he brings to this team right now. Because he seemed to be massively at fault for at least one of the goals on Saturday. He was. So, if, we, champ- if we if we Champions League experience that we absolutely need right now, and our captain, well, yeah, yeah, part-time captain, Felipe yeah. should have the armband for me. Absolutely. If Quarrel isn't in the side, Felipe should have the armband. Quarrel's yeah. in the side, Felipe should have the armband for me. <laughs> uh, he, he's doing uh, the, the man can do no wrong. That's that's something else that uh, I don't remember for a very very long time happening on Saturday is for the you know there was no one of our own in that starting eleven. Mm. Interesting. Well, just going back to what you were saying about um, Morgan I, I, and Brennan, I, I the way I've seen them all season is Morgan's the spark, and he can just start something out of nothing, turn on a sixpence, and. <laughs> Brennan's most effective when he seems to get the ball from um, Gibbs White because he just plays it to him better. So, you know, the the outside of the boot pass for the second Leicester goal, that, that really stands out. Compare that with some of the balls that Brennan's getting in games like away to Man U, where you are right. It's hoofed, it's high, it sits in the air for ages and the defender's got plenty of time to just push him into a corner basically um, and then just nick it off him so you've got Morgan who's the spark and then you've got Brennan who's kind of the end product I guess it, it's a bit annoying that we seem to have found a uh, a tactic that works away from home with what how many away games have we got left four three um, three 
I'm doing my math badly. We've got Chelsea away, we've got Palace away and Palace. Bradford. Yeah. So we've got we've got the three away games. And now we finally have a tactic that works. Better late than never, is, is what I'll say on that. Um learn from your mistakes. That's all we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And we've made plenty of them. So there's loads <laughs> to learn from. Uh that, does that's... that include signing Shelby? Oh, oh nice link. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna get to that. Don't don't worry. Um, Lisa, you did also mention though before we move on entirely, safe standing, uh, mm. in, in the away end. I am yet to experience safe standing at the top level. Uh, obviously it's still standing at the uh at the lower echelons of the football pyramid. Um, what was it like? Was it good? Well, it's no different to any other away game, is it? <laughs> was it less cramped? Because like at Leeds, my legs kept scratching up against the chair in front of me. We were we were pretty packed in. Um, I, I'm so keen to get into a safe standing. Uh, yeah, they've, they've got I, it at Spurs. Their they, opinion of it. Got it at Spurs. They got it at at Liverpool. Um, got it at West Ham. So you yeah, know, I was going to say West Ham seemed to yeah, be yeah. Like safe standing. Yeah, and it just you just feel like because I when I'm in we're at kind of like the last pretty much the last row that is able to stand in B block without the stewards telling you to sit down. And it does get a little bit cramped on your shins and stuff. So it's quite nice to sort of just have a bar in front of you and sort of a bar in front of you. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, like uh, <laughs> the kind of partition in front of you um, and have a little bit more space. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it personally. But as you say, Lisa, you always stand up anyway at away games, don't you? So. <laughs> A uh, little bit confusing, this one. Um, what are we to believe? As John Joe Shelby spat the dummy out, uh, was it just passion because he wanted to face his former club? Has How deluded is the man to forget the Aston Villa game so quickly? Do we actually judge him on this? Do, do we do we buy into the, that he had a hissy fit or not? Ooh... <laughs> it, pay, it could be paper talk it could be i don't know i'm putting putting people on the spot here um but it's personally it doesn't surprise me at all and quite simply i don't want any bad, bad apples in that dressing room um if he was absolutely playing out of his skin fair enough and yeah it, it is good that a player is actually wanting to play at the end of the day but no we need we need people that will die for the shirt and that you know have that harmony within the team and that spirit. And if he's going to be, you know, a kind of a, a thorn in our side in that sense, then no, he's not for me. And I can't forgive what he did against Villa, just literally gifted them a goal in the way that he did. And it was just really naive and just not what we needed at that moment in time. So yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'll be quite bold. I wouldn't be sad if I never saw him in a red shirt again, to be honest. Boom. She's dropped go. the mic. Fair enough. Um, I I won't necessarily argue with you. It kind of um, smacks a bit of Harry Arter to me. Uh, we've we've repeated the same mistake, but we we on paper it made sense. We signed someone with Premier League experience at a time when we needed to reinforce and we needed to uh, elevate that that level of um, maybe gamesmanship and just actual nous of of what this league is like. The thing that I I can't get about it, it for me is the optics of it. I'm it's a disruptive time to do it. It's not helpful on, on any front. If John Joe Shelby has uh, had this little Barney, mate, what are you doing? Rain it in. Just just lead by example and be what we need you to be. Um, if someone's let it out, why? Uh, it's, again, not helpful to, to the cause right now. Um, I, I, 
yeah, I'm not sure whether they'll be coming back from that. Right, rightly or wrongly, the rumours out, and that's going to follow him round now until the end of the season. If we go down, it'll follow him still. Um, awkward. It's probably the best way I can describe that. Lisa, no, just nods no and smiles or any take on this. <laughs> it's, in, it's an interesting one um, because... You know, I don't think Ollie Hammond was named at all until right, you know, I don't even think he was named on the bench. So Shelby was meant to be there um, on Saturday. And um, it's it's a tough one because I agree with Holly, you know, what happened against Villa was unforgivable. Um, but I just think had it been Ryan Yates or Joe Worrell who'd done it, would they have got away with less pelters? Um, but, but on the other side of that fence, it's that if you are... Of, pre- of premiership quality and he has proved that he is um, and you've been there before and he was there with Newcastle two seasons ago then you know what's needed and for me regardless of whether this is true or not because we don't actually know um, what I actually like about it is the fact that we have seen Coops have some balls and tell him to do one and I think at a time where Cooper is always diplomatic in his interviews. He's mm-hmm. always, he always tries to be positive um, and he always looks for the positive and doesn't actually give any criticism to his players. Uh, it's actually quite a big call. Yeah. Do you know what? I uh, I think I questioned that earlier on in the season. I said, do we think Coops gives anyone um, any pelters when they uh, maybe need it? Uh, I mean, I think Reed is the one that gives the pelters, to be fair. Something then that, that is bugging me, and it does follow on from Broiler, and it does follow on from Shelby, and it does follow on from Give Felipe the Armband, and when Joe plays, is it him? I I'm not seeing a wealth of leadership on the pitch, um, and and guidance uh, within the club at, at the moment. Do you know what? At the start of the season, it was a really nice touch that, and it felt like we were keeping, uh the one of our own mentality and giving it to, to Joe and Ryan, um, you know, time will tell from the end of the season when we can do a proper debrief on it all. I've not felt like it was the right call so far. I feel like that armband is moving around a lot, almost to the point that it, it kind of doesn't look like it means anything. It, it, so who you know, would you give it to? Felipe. Has to be. <laughs> Let go then. <laughs> Has to be Felipe. That's just my take, and I'm just a random bloke who stalks Twitter and watches games on my phone from my <laughs> So, exactly. He agrees with me. Um, yeah, my take is give it Felipe rest of the season. Holly, who's the leader on the pitch? Is there a leader on the pitch? Well, that's a really good question, and I think it, it made absolute sense to give it to Worrell with Yatesy as vice, definitely. You know, our boys... Um, and I do think that Joe Worrell is a really strong leader, but he hasn't had enough consistency in the team, really. It's been a little bit bit fragmented. Um, I was really surprised by Froyler getting the armband. I mean, maybe that's also because he's not my favourite player, really. He never really has been. I've never quite seen exactly what he gives us. Um, I'm not saying he's terrible, but I've never seen any real leadership qualities, put it that way, to answer your question. Um, so then... Other than Felipe, I and mean, if we're talking about the start of the season, who were the other natural leaders that we could have given it to? 
no one really we didn't we didn't know enough about them um and i don't i think it would have been quite strange had someone come in like a big marquee signing and taken it over someone like Worrell, who was vice last year and you know is our a natural captain um i think hendo was probably the most vocal yes. other option but then you go into the whole should a goalkeeper be the captain yeah i'm not particularly fond although obviously you can argue that they can obviously see all of the pitch, they can see all of the play, all that kind of thing. They've got a great view of it, but I'm, I'm just not personally a, good, a big fan of of, um, of captains being the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper the keeper being... should be talking anyway. Like, yeah. Regard- regardless, that organisation shouldn't come with putting the armband on. I'd like yeah. a keeper doing that job. End of. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, who would you give it to then for the for the running? Felipe. <laughs> Two for yeah. Felipe. Clean sweep. Yeah. Don't see why not. Sold, right? That's it. We'll uh, we'll send that one in on a postcard, and I'm sure we'll see it take effect uh, for tomorrow night. Uh, speaking of Brighton, 120 minutes, and then Solly March crashes them out of another cup competition with a terrible penalty. Um, what 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 do you guys think about uh, how they're going to come into this one? We were debating it in the WhatsApp over the weekend what it meant. Are we going to see a team out for revenge? Are we going to see a team that's deflated? Or are we just going to see a team that is absolutely knackered? Uh, Lisa, what, what what do you reckon? Yeah, I think that I think they're going to be knackered. Um, but I also think it's not going to be an easy game for us. I thought they were excellent on Sunday. They were probably at least five times better than United were than when United played us the week before. So it's not going to be an easy game for us. Um, and just picking up on what Holly said earlier about we've got the Wolves and the Everton games that were must win for us. And and we, we for me, I'd always said that we must not lose games. Um, tomorrow really is a must win. It's going to be a big one. <laughs> I've not, the nerves haven't hit me just yet. Me uh, neither. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to... I give it around three o'clock tomorrow afternoon when I start clock watching. Uh, it's going to be an un- uncomfortable evening that I'm pretty sure of. <laughs> I reckon they're going to be a little bit tails between their legs. And, and that's why, again, we've got to go at them from minute one. You know, absolutely just, well, you want to say rip them apart, but it's Forest here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just go at them. Just, you know, play in exactly the same way that we did against Liverpool. Um, shore up our defensive, just a bit, do the fundamentals, get them, get them going. I see no reason why we can't, but... You know, so many times this season, like we said about the, you know, that the the so-called must-win games before we've failed. You know, we've slipped up at the final hurdle. So, and also teams like Brighton, you know, like the Brightons and the Brentfords, um, they're the kind of teams that I feel really jealous of because they are, in averted commas, the smaller teams in the Premier League. But they've done so well. They've recruited really well. They've maintained. They're the kind of team that I really want Forest to be. That we all want Forest to be, um, and. For that reason, I'd love to beat them and then stay up as well. Um, but yeah, it it really is a must win. We've got to get some points on the board now. It's just getting silly. And um, yeah, it hangs in the balance right now, doesn't it? But it, it's as much those teams around us as well, isn't it? So we have to do what we need to do on the pitch, but pray that results go our way as well, unfortunately. They both can't win tonight though, can they? Yeah, well, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, is the best result for us tonight? And by tonight, we are talking Leicester and Leeds. Uh, draw? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Keep, them, keep them both close. 
Yeah, I, I, that was that's something that's getting really frustrating at the weekends now when you're seeing goals going in at other games. Um, especially when you don't want them. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So with them, with Brighton and and the model that they have got, Holly, I think you're absolutely right because I, I think we already have tried to emulate them a bit. Mm-hmm. Danio is this kind of signing that Brighton have been making in in yeah. recent years. Um, difference is they probably had a little bit more consistency to bring through those young players. Um, but hey, hope springs eternal uh, in this run-in of ours. Brighton tomorrow, Brentford away at the weekend, the biggie against Southampton. I'm not looking at those games thinking we can't do this. I'm not thinking we're entirely out of this. Um, like I say, other teams have all got to play each other. Um and it only takes a couple of wins to suddenly like look at West Ham now. Suddenly mm. their season looks below par, but given how they're doing in, in Europe, maybe it's it's not panic stations after all for them. They're gonna come out of it with a bit of respect. We really could lift ourselves up. What we have to do is turn this horrific skid of form. We're the worst form team in the Premier League at the minute. Last four games, all four losses. Uh that is yeah, that, that's us at the bottom of the pile for form. Um, the nearest to us being uh, Southampton and I think Brentford uh, are on a similar run. Uh, one draw, three losses. So job one, turn that round. But I don't know whether I'm being a bit too hopeful there. And maybe I've taken too much from this Liverpool game because it is the hope that kills you at the end of it. Um, but... What 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 are you looking at that that run in and that table thinking at the minute, Lisa? Can we do this? See, whilst whilst it is still so close, and there are still points to be played for, we are still in it. Um, and I think, I mean, even if worst case scenario we lose tomorrow, we lose on Saturday. Southampton's the big one. <laughs> Southampton mm. is the one quintessential six pointer of the season that will define the season um but i don't think we'll lose tomorrow and i don't think we'll lose on saturday brentford are on an awful run they um and we and they always won true yeah true they kind of, they're in that awful nothingness position now aren't they just they're their season for me it's always good. first goal wins yeah yeah um Although I would have said that on Saturday and then suddenly we kept pulling ourselves back into it. But that's but first goal still won. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fair point. Um, but the fact that the positive from Saturday was that we pulled ourselves back into it, not just once, but twice away from home when our away form has been so bad. Yeah. And actually on aggregate, we're drawing with Liverpool. So three all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think the only thing that worries me is that result that Southampton got against Arsenal. Um, just showed the fight that they still have there. So maybe that game against Southampton isn't going to be as easy as we think. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Um, everyone's fighting at this stage, aren't they? Fighting for their lives. So I don't. I don't want to be unfair to Southampton, but that was that was an Arsenal thing to do. I don't really think it was too much. Though. Like they did against Everton. Yeah. Yeah. The capitulation. Just... And West Ham, didn't they? They capitulated against yeah. West Ham. So. The bunch of young lads that are starting to flap mm. and I think they've cost themselves the title now, to be honest. Um, mm. It's going to be fun up here in the Northwest if City come out of this season with a treble. Um, I'm, I'm expecting people to take to the streets and there to be a lot of riot gear. 
Um, but we'll, we shall see. Uh, there, you guys make a prediction for tomorrow night. I'm going to make mine early and be consistent and true to form. 1-0 to the Forest. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White, absolute screamer, 35 yards. You heard it here first. Like it. Like yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Don't and agree it... with it, but like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going with? I am going... Let's see, I, I am heart and head because my heart says 2-1 and my head says 1-1. It's really tough, isn't it, this one to predict? Yeah. Really, really tough. Um... I mean, my immediate thought was a 1-0 as well. Get to half-time, 0-0, looking fairly assured, nick it in like the 80th minute or something like that, I reckon. Early goal and then backs against the wall for for 80 minutes. I'm down with that too. Yeah. I don't know what would be a worse situation. (laughs) Like 1-0 for 85 minutes or 0-0 for 85 minutes uh, and then having to work out, do we go for this or do we uh, take what we've got? Like I said earlier, the only thing we're guaranteed is it being horrendously uncomfortable an evening for all watching. But that's what we signed up to. That's why we love it. It's great. Forest torture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There should be a helpline, really. Um, Right. I'll, uh, I'm going to sign off so that we can get away and um, watch the uh, Leeds-Leicester game. Uh, any closing thoughts, guys, before I go? No? We're still in it. We're still, still in it. Still lots of points to play for. Yeah. We're still not down. We're still not out. Come on, you Reds. Come on, you Reds. Reds.